Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB AM 860. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm thrilled to have a guest with me in the studio today who um, traveled in from outside of our lovely city of Philadelphia. Her name is Deborah Isayan. Uh, Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get that right. And Deborah is the chief revenue officer at Marketron Broadcast Solutions. Uh, Marketron is actually a company that that we use here in the stations, um, helps us broadcast, and it's a software company. Welcome to the studio. Thanks very much. Love being here. Back in the back in the city of Brotherly Shove. <laughs> I've never heard that before. I love that. Um, I should mention that you're you're somewhat from the area. You grew up in Wilmington, Delaware, and I'd love for you to take a few minutes to talk about your background and your growing up years there, your family and. Yeah, I was born and raised in Wilmington, and uh, as you know, Wilmington has kind of a unique culture. It's a a town of corporate headquarters, and uh, later, as I grew up, it became the credit card capital of the world, right? So you had a lot of corporate influence in in the culture there. Uh, my father worked for DuPont, like many people did in Wilmington back in that day for years and years and years. They were career uh, chemists. And uh, the influence of the whole DuPont story always fascinated me. I didn't live very far from um, Hagley Museum. And so I used to walk down there and I used to go to that museum all the time. And I just couldn't get over how the DuPont family had traveled from France and, you know, they went through all these incredible uh, machinations, leaving the French Revolution, traveling with all this equipment. They got all their friends to give them money and maybe never they would see them again. And they came over here and, you know, built a huge company that not only benefited my family, but, you know, thousands of people with their products and and, uh, employees. This fascinated me. I couldn't get over this. And there's a huge French influence in Wilmington, which I found uh, very nice from that family. And so that corporate history uh, always had a very profound effect on me. And so I was fascinated by entrepreneurism. And and, uh, I just grew up always being curious and uh, wanting to solve problems. And so that entire culture influenced me greatly as I grew up. And I went to a small private school in in Wilmington Tower Hill School, graduated from there, and then went on to become a pediatric ICU nurse, which I still am in case, you know, the software gig goes south. (laughs) And uh, and, uh, I went on to um, uh, get into marketing and consumer packaged goods. From there, I moved on into uh, to broadcasting. But uh, my first 18 years were all in Wilmington. And my brother and I used to, at 2 in the morning, drive up to Philadelphia to get a cheesesteak. And, you know, we were very much influenced by uh, Philadelphia. We spent lots of time here as a kid, you know, exploring the museums. My parents loved coming here to the city. So I feel very much at home here. And tell, where uh, was uh, mom and dad originally from? Mom's from East St. Louis and Belleville area. And my father is from Cleveland, Ohio. So they were Midwesterners. And they didn't ever go to the shore because, you know, the shore is a word you hear in this area. Right. Uh, I live in southwest Florida now. And we call it the beach. The beach. But, right. but uh, you always know somebody's from, you know, Philadelphia or New Jersey because they use the word shore. Right. And uh, uh, so, you know, going to the shore was a big deal for them because, you know, they didn't go to the 
The shore. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we had a lot of family trips, you know, to the Jersey Shore and enjoyed that immensely. So it's interesting to me that you, um, you know, you pursued nursing, Mm -hmm. but then ended up in business. And I I read that you you spoke a lot about, you know, the influence the DuPont family had on your entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. And what what was it that led you into nursing initially? And then when did you kind of have that aha moment that really you belonged in the business? Well, I always knew I wanted to be a nurse. That I kind of knew from childhood. Uh, When I was a little girl, when I was six, my mother ended up being um, uh, kind of a a surrogate mom for a child who'd come over from Armenia to the A.I. DuPont Institute to have corrective surgery on his back from polio. And every day for over a year, we would go to the hospital and I would just tag along with her. So I was in this environment and felt fine with it. You know, I'd play with the other kids that were in the hospital and stuff. So I think that's probably where the whole nursing thing started. And I went to the University of Virginia on purpose because they have a great nursing program. And um, I went into pediatrics. So I worked at CHOP here in Philadelphia uh, right after I got out of uh, college. So as I worked as a nurse, I decided to go to graduate school. My original intention to go into hospital administration. Mm -hmm. And I got diverted by Procter & Gamble, who had just bought the Vicks VapoRub company, and they wanted nurses with MBAs and marketing to help them market those products. So it was really actually kind of a, a, a linear, it doesn't sound linear, but it was. I just kind of moved more into consumer packaged goods. It, it was an excellent job opportunity, and uh, I felt learning something about marketing would always help in whatever it is that I ended right. up doing in my career. So I ended up spending several years working for P&G uh, in Cincinnati and in Connecticut working on consumer packaged goods. So that's really a great background for just about any business career you're going to yes. have. I got plucked out of there to come work for the radio industry because they had a marketing problem with teen and young adult radio stations not being able to uh, fight MTV. MTV you know, had come into the marketplace, brought in the whole concept of television production to agencies who make a lot more money on TV production than they do radio. So a lot of money, advertising dollars were being siphoned off of teen and young adult radio to MTV. They really had no other natural competitor other than that. And I guess it was enough money to catch somebody's attention after yeah. a while, you know, <laughs> maybe 10 years later. And uh, I, I was hired to come in and reverse that decline. So what do you think it was about you that had them, you know, as you say, plucked you from from uh, the company there to do that? I initially it was probably because I didn't hadn't used the medium as a as a professional brand manager. I had only used television, outdoor billboards, things like that. I had never used the radio medium. Mm-hmm. I'd never managed a teen and young adult brand. And they were specifically looking for somebody with a fresh look at this, but they needed somebody with marketing skills to kind of come in and diagnose the problem. But I think the way the magic worked was when I initially heard what the proposition was, and I ended up talking to this nice man who ran a radio station in Los Angeles for MS Communications and was the president of that company, which is based in Indianapolis. He seemed like a nice man. He seemed like he had an interesting problem. I didn't understand the problem, but I said, you seem like a nice man. I said, why don't we do this? It's interesting what you've, what you've, um, outlined as your challenge, your marketing challenge, or you think it's a sales challenge. I'm not sure it is a sales challenge. I think it's a marketing challenge, but how about if I go do some research? I have friends who are brand managers of teen and young adult brands. I have, um, you know, connections that I can do some research. You said you needed to go fundraise to kind of support this effort with the other teen and young adult radio station owner. So why don't you go do that? Let's get together in six weeks and let's see what you found and what I found and put it together. So I didn't really go into it looking like, oh, there's a job opportunity I'm going to go after. It's more like we collaboratively developed it. And that's my favorite way to work anyway. And uh, so when we got back together, he told me he had gotten his money and I said, I think I have a solution, but let's 
Let's test the waters. Why don't you get your board together? I'll come to New York. I'm still employed. I'll show them what my business plan is and how I would attack the challenge. And if they don't like that, great. You know, that's interesting. Free consulting. Okay. (laughs) And I stay employed here and, you know, that's it. If you like it, then maybe there is a solution there. I don't know. So I guess I didn't have like a design on a job. I just thought the marketing problem was interesting. So, and it also gave me a chance to call some friends of mine who I hadn't seen in a while and, you know, just ask them, okay, so you're the brand manager of Clearasil. Tell me about the audience and things like that because it's a teen brand, right? So as it turns out, we go into New York. Now, when I look back on my, my history, I can't believe... I did some of the things I did. Like today, I would tell myself, you're crazy. Don't do that. But I think when you're young, maybe you just don't have that fear factor. So I went over to New York and I said, well, you know, I had no idea how actually big these guys on the board of directors were. I think if I'd known that, I would have been more intimidated. But what did I have to lose? They had a problem and I thought I had a solution, but I didn't really... Well, I didn't have an emotional investment into what happened. I was more looking at this from an academic perspective, right? right? So, but I'm big into getting buy-in. I don't think you can sell a program or an idea without getting some consensus. And I think your program will be better if you get consensus because people have ideas that they can make better. So you try to emotionally detach yourself from your con- your ideas, right? Go into it open-minded and have people... Um, uh, input. So we went to New York and I like presented this business plan and they asked me to wait outside the door. I don't know. I always have things to do. So I was just busy working and I was like sitting in the hall of a radio station in New York City. And about 45 minutes later, they asked me to come back and I was thinking, OK, this is when they tell me that's a terrible plan. Who do you, plan. Th- who do you think you who are? are you? <laughs> <laughs> and they actually presented me with a contract. Which I was stupid enough to just sign because I didn't know any better. Like, maybe I should speak to an attorney or, right. or something. <laughs> oh, the oh, the joy of youth, right? <laughs> but it turned out great. Yeah, I'm so impressed by that. I have to tell you, I think it's funny to me that you say, you know, what did I know? I, I, I didn't have any fear back then. I don't know that that's always the case, especially with young women. And we talk mm-hmm. about that a mm. lot in here, um, that we sometimes lack the belief in ourselves or, the, you know, the self-esteem. You seem to have, you went after, you were already thinking as a leader. You know, you were creating an idea rather than just going in and saying, gosh, I hope they give me this job. And and I want to know where that um, confidence uh, developed in you. What a great question. I never really thought about this until just now when you asked that question. That's why it's fun to do um, uh, interviews like this. So thank you. Uh, so I think a lot of it has to do with how you grow up and whether you have um, a stable background. You mm-hmm. know, I grew up in an ethnic family and uh, we don't take anything for chance. Most people who grow up in ethnic families know there's always plan A, plan B, plan C, and D. There was no option of Be like prepared. being unemployed or not having a plan or something like that in my family, right? Yeah. So I guess I always made sure in my life that I had a lot of stability around me and that I was stable enough to be able to take risk, I guess. Because if you have stability and you take a risk, but you're not going to lose everything, you actually can go into that risk with perhaps more freedom and and more open heart as as you approach. So I'll credit my parents and my uh, family situation. I had a grandmother who lived with me for the first 18 years of my life. So it was three on one. I didn't have (laughs) any shot at getting into trouble or anything. I had an older brother, five years older than me. So he was off having adventures. And then when he was in college and I was in high school, I mean, I had surveillance cameras around me everywhere. There was right. no way I was going to get, get away trouble. with anything. Yeah. So, so I, I think a really strong foundation, you know, having the stability of growing up in the same place for the first 18 years of my life and, 
just, you know, Wilmington's like a little cocoon. I call it Brigadoon. It kind of comes back every 200 years and it's the same place. It, it, and that's what's so charming about it is although it changes and it does it does grow, there's something about it that's a core that never changes. So I, I really thought that was a great place to, you know, grow up. And here you are in the middle of New York, Washington, Baltimore, Philadelphia. You're in the serious Northeast corridor. So you're getting all the energy and the fun and excitement from all these, you know, different large cities around you and they're easy to travel to. And I had an adventurous family. So we were exposed to those things. And I think that broadened my, my, uh, horizons beyond just, you know, this little town or Hamlet that I grew up in, but it was nice to always go back to that. Yeah. Right? Were mom and dad, um, heavy on the academics, you know, very much so school was very important. They made a lot of sacrifices to, uh, to fund my education, which I have always tried to honor that, that sacrifice and that, that goal. You know, my grandparents were immigrants into this country and they, they survived some pretty horrific things back in Armenia when they came here. So, you know, I have a lot of obligations here and I, and I take those on with joy, not, you know, hardship because, uh, a lot of people worked really hard to get me and my brother here. So yeah. it's up to us to take that and do something really good with yeah. it. I would imagine yeah. that knowledge that you have, um, led to your, um, empathy um, that is a quality I think not a lot of people have, but you do. And you spoke in in some of your work about how important that is to have in work. Um, because I was reading about, you know, the commonalities between nursing and business. And one of them that struck a chord with me was having empathy, both for clients, patients. Talk to me a little bit about that and why you think it's important in any industry. Well, I think when you can empathize with uh, with someone, that's where solutions begin. I mean, I'm a big believer in innovation. I think um, I think we live in a world where reinvention and innovation is going to be a critical skill set in how you manage your life, how you manage your career, how you solve business problems. I mean, you know, I look at some of the stuff that Bill Gates is doing, and I'm floored by how he's using the innovation tech. Um, mentality of technology to apply it to world business to world problems that's that's just really neat and exciting yes. to me i always like to look at the positive way that you can fix something or or whatever so so going back to empathy i think empathy is critical if you're going to be good in sales or marketing because you have to understand and be genuine with your customers i mean anybody can sell anything once but it's the repeat business that's harder to get if it's not genuinely um, initiated, right? So I, empathy, I guess, comes from a lot of different qualities. When I was little, I had um, a stuffed animal hospital in my room. Okay, I think my mom always knew I was going to go into medicine or something because I would like, have little bandages on them. They weren't really hurt, but I, you know, I was pretending I had little charts on them. I would go into report in the morning with my mom. Okay. Happy bunny's not doing well. Okay. So you had a got veterinarian a hospital in I your did. bedroom. So, yeah. uh, so, you know, that's a little weird. <laughs> so I guess they were just, okay, who knows what this one's going to turn right. out to be. But anyway, so, so I always have empathy. So I think that's where I always start whenever I'm listening to, even when I'm hiring, it's good to kind of get to know the person where are they coming from? Where are they at in their life? Are they ready for this job? Is this the right job? Um, some people don't do a very good job of selfing assessing themselves. You as a hiring manager have to help them get there. Mm-hmm. Decide whether this is the right position for them at this time in their life, right? right. So um, uh, so it is helpful if you if you do have empathy. And mine's just is part of who I am. I think it's part of my DNA. Uh, but as a nurse... Um, you also have to have empathy, but you also have to uh, be able to communicate well, right? So now these skills translate in technology. What I found with software, which is an unlikely place for me to end up because I'm not highly technical. I get technology. I love technology. When I was working at WJBR in Wilmington, Delaware, for instance, uh, we were one of the first stations to stream. And we had websites, and I thought we could monetize our website. I even had a mock wedding 
of our transmitter and our internet site. And I invited all of our clients to this wedding of the internet and the terrestrial radio wave because back then I thought this is really cool. They work really well together. And again, just more curiosity than anything else. Right. But I think that um, technology can be extremely arrogant if it's not brought to somebody in a meaningful and empathetic way. So this is a real opportunity, I think, for women to soften some of the arrogance that comes with technology and and make it user-friendly and applicable to the average person who's using the technology but isn't really technical. Right. right, right. It's important to be able to explain it in a simplistic term because mm-hmm. we're not I, – I run up against this all the time. I have such a creative curiosity about technology and where mm-hmm. it's going. But when I'm reading about it or someone's speaking about it, you know, it it's always – impressive to me when they're able to break it down and, mm-hmm. and help me to understand it in a simpler way. Uh, yeah, well, so so you're, you're you're empathizing with that person. They're trying to understand how to use this, right? right. And, they uh, want to use yeah, it. Yeah, and this is a culture that I really want to make sure, uh, and I know that our CEO, Jeff Haley, is really uh, in agreement with this. We really want to foster that empathy throughout the entire organization. I think that's what he and I want this organization to stand for. I mean, we're both fairly new to the company, and uh, it's it's something that I think we want to see more and more from our own staff in working with our customers. And uh, prior to that, in, in, in the work that I did, I always wanted my staff to empathize with that customer, whether I was a sales manager of a radio station or if I was a brand director at um, – uh, a consumer packaged goods company always empathize because that's where the kernel of the the um, opportunity is right. is understanding right right uh, but also taking risks um, mm. which is something that you have done which is weird because I don't consider myself a risk person I don't think I think you don't realize that you're doing it, it maybe seems to I me, don't yeah. yeah yeah perhaps again that oblivious you know thing to me it's more of curiosity I don't consider it risk but it also seems wrong. That if you have the capability to solve something that you, you don't try or that you don't innovate, That's you know. Right. Well, anytime you try something new, I would say you're kind of taking a risk. I if, guess, if, yeah. If, especially if it's in business. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what your techniques are or your strategies when you're with clients to try to, um, and, you know, encourage them to take the risk, you know. Purchase something that they haven't used before. Exactly. Not, yeah. Well, here, especially in, um, in our industry, uh, technology we we that's exactly what we're out there helping them do is move into the technological age but try to do it without fear right right so you have to again breaking it down to simplistic terms for them is going to allow them to do that right but when you, if you understand something you're more apt to jump in yeah and so and also if they feel like you've got their back and you're holding their hand you know and you're jumping off the cliff together right more importantly i think most comp- most industries need to see somebody else do it first successfully I and mean, this is where i think minimizing the risk for them uh comes into play with some smart marketing documenting success of people who've gone before others and showing that they did it is goes a long way in helping people who haven't done something get over that leap, That's right? It. And yes. so, so I think that uh, whenever you're introducing technology, especially new ways and habits of things to do, you got to have a proven track record, which is why beta testing is so critical and documenting the success and what did we learn that went wrong. That's the tech world is very open to mistakes and learning. Yes. So you want to kind of foster that because then that makes it not so scary. Okay, so what if you make a mistake? The world's not going to fall apart, right? Right, right exactly. That's great. <clears throat> We're going to take a quick break and we will be back in the studio with Deborah Asayan, Chief Revenue Officer of Marketron Broadcast Solutions.
It's really tough for an everyday investor to find honest, personalized investment advice. Some brokers only push the latest hot stocks. And some financial advisors won't even return your phone call unless your account is worth half a million dollars. That's where the Mutual Fund Store comes in. It's where you talk with your local advisor, someone you can meet with face-to-face, not somebody wearing a headset a thousand miles away. And your Mutual Fund Store advisor will work with you to design an investment plan to help you get where you want to be. From day one, our advisors track your funds to make sure they're still right for you. Not everyone in the investment business can say that. The client comes first at the Mutual Fund Store with custom investment plans to fit your goals, not ours. To learn more, visit MutualFundStore.com or call the Mutual Fund Store now in East Norriton and Cherry Hill, 877-239-8330. That's 877-239-8330. Hello? Hi, Kelly. It's Sue. Are you and Joe going to the kids' game after school today? No, we are stuck in traffic again on our way to the hospital for Joe's IVIG infusion. As usual, we will be at the hospital all day and won't be home in time. This is really becoming a problem with our work and family commitments. Hey, my friend's son receives his infusions at home with Walgreens. You know they are not just a retail pharmacy. Walgreens has a national home infusion program. He used to miss school, but now the Walgreens nurses see him at home after school. Wow, infusions in the comfort of our own home? Yes. Walgreens expert infusion nurses and pharmacists are available 24-7 to provide safe, one-on-one clinical support around your schedule. Talk to your doctor and call Walgreens Infusion Services at 877-974-4844 or go to womentowatch.net for complete details. We will, if we ever get out of this traffic, hearty har har. We can't wait to have these infusions at home with Walgreens. Thanks. Be well. Have you ever wondered about the magic of Paris? Traveled there before? You haven't experienced Paris until you've traveled with us. I'm Chloe Johnson, the owner of CJ Tours. I became hooked on the mystique of all things Parisian after just one visit to the city of life. CJ Tours, a travel, fashion, and product company, provides an experience unlike any other when it comes to exploring the hidden gems of Paris. We connect you with boutiques off the beaten path. We provide the opportunity to go behind the scenes with some of the most celebrated designers Paris has to offer. You can even purchase one-of-a-kind French pieces as mementos of your trip or ask us to source that special piece just for you. CJ Tours and our unique products are designed to provide that Parisian je ne sais quoi and allow you to experience Paris like never before. To learn more, contact me at Chloe Johnston at cjshoppingtours.com or simply visit chloejohnston.com for more information. Are you looking for assistance with your IT demands? Would you like to know that the people you hire have your best interest at heart? InSource is one of the region's most distinguished and fastest-growing technology firms in the Philadelphia area. Their only concern is to deliver your business long-term success to avoid reacting to daily crisis. Recognized as a top employer of IT consultants, they thrive on helping their clients exceed expectations. InSource delivers reliable and effective solutions to the technology needs of both small and large businesses as well as nonprofits and does so with the goals of your business in mind. With over a decade of recognized 
its success, InSource provides its clients with both IT staffing needs as well as putting highly qualified project teams together. InSource is also a partner of ServiceNow, the fastest growing software company in the country. Contact InSource today at 610-592-0800 or visit their website at InSourceNow.com to find the quality help you need. When you are shopping, do you chuckle at the one-size-fits-all tags? Well, wealth management should not take a one-size-fits-all approach either. Companies offer different products and services for women, and they should. All women are different. Your plan should be as unique and personal as you are. So why are you still following your one-size-fits-all financial advisor? Financial advisor Liz Barker of RBC Wealth Management understands this. Her area of expertise is women in transition and being retirement ready. Call Liz Barker, financial advisor at RBC Wealth Management at 484-530-2806. Again, that number is 484-530-2806. Or visit her online at www.lizbarker.com to schedule your complimentary custom wealth management plan today. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Welcome back, everyone, to Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. Again, my name is Sue Rocco, and I'm thrilled to be in the studio today with Deborah Essayan, who is the Chief Revenue Officer at Marketron Broadcast Solutions, which is a broadcast software company. And um, earlier in the show, we, we talked about the impact that DuPont had on you growing up in Wilmington, Delaware. And um, one of the women that has had an effect on you or someone that you've looked to and admired is um, Ellen Coleman, who is the CEO of DuPont. And I'd love for you to talk a few minutes about why her and, you know, what it is about her that has influenced you. Well, it's funny. Uh, as I speak uh, around the country, I often get the question, you know, who who do you admire? Who do you pattern yourself after? And most people assume I'm going to pattern myself after a technology leader. And, and actually, I don't really identify too much uh, there in that in that area because I never thought I was going to end up in technology anyway. I really like Ellen because she comes from a, a, a marketing background. She um, she isn't actually a Ph.D. chemist herself. She has an MBA and she's a mechanical engineer. Uh, she graduated ahead of me six years um, at Tower Hill. So I didn't know her at all and I've never met her. I just have watched her career and I find her so interesting because she said that the Greatest compliment she ever got was that somebody said to her, I can't believe you're so normal. (laughs) And I like that because I think she's a real person and she's just out there uh, always trying to reinvent and solve problems. And she's never satisfied with the status quo. But I think that the, the root of her style, what makes her so successful is her empathy. She's a very empathetic person. She has three children. I mean, she's managed a, a really amazingly balanced life for what she is doing. I mean, she was fourth on Forbes's, uh, you know, women, most powerful women. She's mm-hmm. a very influential person worldwide. If right. you think of all the employees she has all over the, the, the globally. So anyway, I just like to, I, that's more the traditional approach that I prefer. You know, we were talking at the break a little bit about, um, the fact that women are starting to show up, right, in some pretty big roles. And uh, I don't see this so much as like a female movement or whatever feminism is, because I don't understand what that term means. It, it doesn't impact me in any way. I just think these women are out there just being themselves. Uh, the Wall Street Journal, when they were commenting on Janet Yellen and her style, they frequently comment about how empathetic she is 
uh, when she talks about what she thinks the challenges are for the American economy. She actually brings real true stories and lives into her examples as to why she's made the decision she's made, which I think is very appealing to people. I mean, look at our Pope is appealing right now because he seems to be a a real guy. Like he's really out there living how real people live. And so he's going to be popular because he's he's uh, he's translating that in a genuine way. Uh, as we take a look at the head of GM, who's been under, you know, a lot of public scrutiny, she did take the time to be empathetic and spend some time with these families. It wasn't just this corporate executive out there. So I think what you're seeing is women just being women and and celebrating their assets that way. And that bubbling up is to being a successful formula for solving today's problems. We live in a world where reinvention is really the only real um way to manage through all of these uh, confusing things that are happening around us. And so I think women are well suited for that. We're masters of reinvention. We reinvent ourselves much more easily, I think, uh, just as a gender. That's just part of who we are. So uh, we're great multitaskers, right? Mm -hmm. Excellent at that. Mm -hmm. So those skills actually can translate into some really, really good things for the business world. And I think it's genuine and authentic as opposed to forced or a movement of any kind. I really don't think any of those women consider themselves part of a movement. I think they're just being who they are. Right. Just, just great. That's right. And yeah. you know what? Empathy to me is just is, is the ability to connect with who's in front mm-hmm. of you. And, and actually what, care about them as a yes. person first, not as uh, or that you're not trying to game something off of them every no. time you talk to that's right. somebody. I find that the most successful way to sell is to not go in with an agenda, but to learn. And you end up selling more than you ever thought because you learned a lot more than you ever thought. So yeah. just listen and it'll all happen naturally. That's right. And that's the power of curiosity. Mm-hmm. I think the mm-hmm. more curious you are wanting to learn and know mm-hmm. new things, um, that leads to ideas, innovation. And that's right. where success comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about was where you might see the future of radio. Um, you know, radio today, we spoke about terrestrial radio and, and online and podcasts and all of that. And where do you see over the next couple of years radio going as an industry? Well, I certainly hope that Marketron is part of whatever our reinvention is as an industry. I, I, we want to foster and, and um, uh, cultivate that. But where I see uh, people having the most success in visioning the future of radio has been in their understanding that what they deliver is an experience. But it's that experience can be delivered in a number of different ways. And so they're, they're, uh, the broadcasters who are really embracing that are making the technological investments to be able to do that. And that's a different way of thinking. We're very challenged economically as, a, uh, as an industry, but the only way out of that is going to be to innovate. It's not going to be about doing the same thing over and over again and praying that the economy is going to come back or that mm-hmm. our industry is going to come back. I mean, I still hear industry executives say to me, well, you know, the Internet, it's a fad. I, I don't think so. Okay? It's probably not. So chances are <laughs> that, we, that we should... We should probably try to do something. And I always tell people, it doesn't matter where you are on your journey with technology. You can merge onto that highway any time you want. Whatever exit you want to get onto the highway, you can use. Just don't do nothing. Try something. Learn. Try not to do too many things at one time. Focus. Do something well. Learn and move on. Share and get out there and learn about best practices. A lot of other broadcasters can save you a lot of time, money, and agony by telling you what telling you what they tried that didn't work, and then maybe you can avoid that mistake. So I think you have to get out there, and I think you have to learn. Um, I also don't think necessarily that you can just delegate it down to somebody else to handle. Like I think a lot of um, 
uh, I see a lot of industry executives kind of just making it somebody else's problem to worry about in their group. Oh, so and so will handle the technology part. No, no, no. It has to. It has to be uh, from the core of the organization has to believe that delivery of content and experience comes in many different forms. And then the organization has to be built around that, that, that whole premise. Mm -hmm. So I think again, being genuine in, in, in your approach, it's not just somebody can handle the podcast or somebody can handle the websites. It's about what are we trying to accomplish as a broadcasting company and how are we going to deliver the experiences that are unique and proprietary to us? And, and how are our consumers most likely going to consume those and how are we going to deliver that? Right. And then build your organization, your financial goals, and your entire business plan around that philosophy. Right. So I think if we do that, we have a very bright future. Radio is one of the most dexterous mediums, right? How many times have people told us that we're like dead in the water? And that's never happened because we innovate ourselves out of there. Now we're doubly challenged because of financial situations happening in the industry. And sometimes that can be like a tsunami, right? But I see a lot of good things happening in the industry. And my job is to foster and bring those to light so that other people can learn and see how it could benefit their business. Yeah. I wonder if you could speak to the the uh, the power of voice versus visual and why it why do you believe that um, radio has been successful for as long as it has and how it you know how it comes across differently you know the power of the voice and not having a visual there well you know it's still we're still primarily consumed in the car right and commute times certainly haven't dropped recently <laughs> right. Right? So, <laughs> right so we no, certainly have increased. that power but yep. here's what's really great with the web and this is what i saw back in 1998 when i was uh working at wjbr fm in wilmington now with the web you can have experiences post-show where somebody now has left their car, they've had their dinner, they've put their children to bed, but the topic was was really interesting and engaging to them, they can go now to the website and consume more about that particular topic, which could include video, which could include other forms of entertainment. For DJs and producers... Um, uh, in our work, we have a we have a whole digital uh, arm of Marketron, and we work with lots of radio stations on developing their whole digital uh, enterprise. One of the things I've always taught DJs is, look, if you're doing an endorsement campaign and you were doing it on air, now you have the ability to actually do it online as well, and mm-hmm. you can actually do video, and that's actually lucrative for you because you're actually doing more than just audio. You're doing a combination of ways of getting the message out, and you're helping that advertiser that you're working with really succeed in a much more um, impactful way. So I actually think we have both and that we need to learn how to harness both to our advantage. But the on-air is what drives everything. And so if we can intrigue people through really great audio, it can drive to all kinds of experiences online from right, there right. And, uh, and through social media. So I, I think we, we should embrace all of it. Right. And use it in its most appropriate way. Yeah. It's another extension. You know, it's just like adding on to something you're already doing. But it's a lot easier to go from audio to multiple forms of distribution than to go the other way. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that's where I think our opportunity is uh, more so than maybe even print or television. Not that they don't have great opportunities, too, for print to be able to go online and do have a food editor actually do a video. Right. Is amazing. Right. So it all depends on your imagination. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk a little bit about what exactly you do as a chief revenue officer. Mm. What a question. <laughs> well, first of all, most people don't even know what that means. Right. I certainly didn't. Um, uh, we created the position with the belief that there needed to be some overarching revenue 
strategy for the company. But beyond that, I don't, I don't, I don't believe anybody had really the full definition. Of, and I would say most CROs are still trying to find their way as to what is a CRO. But after studying this for eight months, because uh, I wrote down, I started writing down everything I did because, um, you know, I also work a lot with direct accounts still and things like that. And here's what I, this is what I've concluded so far. I have the right to change this later. But after about eight months, I've observed that I think the CRO is the strategic driver of the revenue opportunities for the company, meaning that they get heavily involved in working with the technology and product management teams because they know the customer the best. And their job is to have a very, very good view of what all the different needs are of the customers, which mm-hmm. means they have to have the time to be able to invest that and almost as a icing on the cake layer over their um, account executives who are handling the accounts day to day, be able to have a relationship with all the accounts so that they can bring that data and information back to product management and create solutions for the clients that are really going to matter. All right. right. For instance, we just put together a Marketron advisory board, which uh, I'm, I'm very happy about because we have some great participants in this. And our our clients are now being able to network with each other, see how each other is solving problems that they're all having day to day. In addition to just helping us figure out where should we focus our time and energy on these products and services and where where can we help you solve a pain point? We now have this uh, ongoing flowing dialogue, which is not only making our products and services better, but making us better as a company and hopefully allowing them a chance to find solutions from their peers in a way that wouldn't have been a natural dialogue before. So that is something our CTO, Tony Gawkin, and I have been working on together along with our uh, product manager, Deepika Yergunta. We've been wanting to foster and promote that in our own company. So that is a new thing that comes along with having somebody think about this from a strategic perspective. We also have three product lines. We have not only our traditional revenue management solutions for traffic and and commercial um, management and revenue management, but we also have our interactive uh, content management system with uh, Marketron Interactive, and we have our mobile solutions, our texting platform and uh, messaging uh, mobile solutions. We have four product lines under there. Now, as most radio stations have fewer and fewer people working at them, right, who are doing more and more and more, the the concept is wouldn't it be great if all of these solutions kind of came from one place and you could go to one place to log in and manage them, one place to get all the data that's coming from them. So as we work over the next few years here at Marketron, I think pulling all that together is something that we vision being able to do. And that would bring a a lot of uh, efficiencies as well as um, business intelligence to our clients. Mm -hmm. You just answered my next question was, you know, what's kind of the next project? Mm. What's the next big thing for Marketron and and what are you working on? Yeah, I think think we have to be about uh, efficiencies um, for our our clients and uh, providing data that's meaningful and actionable in an easy way. Right. And so uh, I think our CTO is certainly looking at the product lines like that. And he and I have started working together towards that goal. So I, I see some fun things ahead. Yeah. And I love the idea of, you know, having the ability for communication, not just within the company itself, but with it amongst your, your clients, mm-hmm. because that always leads to new ideas. When you yeah. know what they're, what they're struggling with, what their challenges are with your product, then that's going to help Right. And, and, and that's a perspective that's a little different than just day to day account management. Right. Like and I always want my sales representatives to know that I'm backing them up like I, I'm, I'm talking to the same client, but maybe with a different ear, you know, in a different perspective. And now the two of us are solving problems for that client right. and they're not in this alone. I'm with them. Right. right? Yeah. Empathy works, by the way, internally as well as externally. You right. have empathy internally. Yes, you know, absolutely. So. What's one of your um biggest personal challenges day to day you know we all you're 
you're very successful and you're doing a wonderful job at what you do. And I can see your enthusiasm for it as well. What do you what do you battle on a day to day just from a personal standpoint that, you know, is a struggle? Um, I think I think that that all of us battle balance. Right. And there, I don't know that there is such a thing as balance. I think one of the things I always advise um women that I'm working with is be very attuned to what your needs are at whatever stage in life you are. Right. I mean, women have this amazing journey. If we're lucky enough to live a certain, you know, to a certain age, you're going to go through many, many different life experiences. Right. And your career is going to have different levels of importance based on whatever your needs are at that time. So if you, if you manage things pretty well, make sure you know what it is you need personally first, and then figure out what your career moves are that are going to enable that need, right? So uh, I think that it's important to acknowledge where you are in your life and make sure that those those uh, um, your career is, is managing that. Like, for instance, as I shape the role of chief revenue officer, you know, I have to take into account my personal needs and where am I going with my life at mm-hmm. this stage. And I want to be able to craft that. If you're lucky and you work for an organization like I do where you can invent that role and make sure that they all work together. I'm, I'm a vocal participant in what my job description is. I'm very honest with my manager about uh, uh, what I need at this time in my life. I'm lucky that he's listening to me. I suppose he, he didn't, he doesn't have to, but we're working on that together so that I'm happy and I'm fulfilled. I would say my biggest challenge in, in this role has been getting out of the day to day and more into the strategic, right? And so I'm having to delegate things a little bit more to people so that I can stay in that more strategic role. Right. And so that's my current challenge is, is making that transition. Right. right? Well, what do you do when you're not working? What is uh, oh, I have, I have a lot of interests. I, I do have a lot of interests, but um, I live in Southwest Florida on purpose because uh, when I do have free time, I really want to be able to just go outside and it's almost always sunny. Right. I'm an avid kayaker. I love being outdoors. I'm always outdoors when I'm not uh, <laughs> working. Yeah. Um, I love being with my family. Um, I love... Uh, I, I do some work with people uh, on animal therapy. I'm really into that. And I, I really, uh, this is back into my nursing days, you know, yeah. just being, uh, we have, you know, we have a more um, geriatric uh, uh, population in Southwest Florida. And, you know, the power of animal therapy is really important right. to me. So yeah. I think that's great. And uh, I, for me on a personal basis, I love gardening. You know, I love the theater. I love um, the arts. So I'm pretty active. I'm yeah. usually not sitting still. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you are. You're you're working well with a balance. You are, you know, balancing. My mother it would giving... say I burn the candle at both ends, oh, which right? probably isn't a good idea. <laughs> um, we were talking at the break a, a little bit about how right now there's a lot of firsts for women going on in in the country, and everyone knows about it and can read about it and see. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about why you think. That is, why is it happening now as opposed to 10 years ago, um, as opposed to 10 years from now? What is it about this time, do you think, in our lives that um, women are stepping into their own roles? Uh, okay, first of all, I think I think the environment's just really healthy for that, you know, and, and I think women are, are, are very detail uh, oriented performers, right? We like to perform. We like to see results. Well, that works very well in business and in, uh, and in life in general. I also think that we're extremely flexible and adaptable and we're creative and resourceful. Those are winning skills for today's business environment. So I think the natural skill set that women have just being who they are is just well adapted for this world. And I think it's, it's, it's turning into results. I think people are recognizing that. And I think they're being put into these positions because they're, 
They're making things happen. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk a little bit more about that after the break. We're going to take one last break, and we will be back with Deborah Eisen, Chief Revenue Officer for Marketron Broadcast Solutions. Hello? Hi, Kelly. It's Sue. Are you and Joe going to the kids' game after school today? No, we are stuck in traffic again on our way to the hospital for Joe's IVIG infusion. As usual, we will be at the hospital all day and won't be home in time. This is really becoming a problem with our work and family commitments. Hey, my friend's son receives his infusions at home with Walgreens. You know they are not just a retail pharmacy. Walgreens has a national home infusion program. He used to miss school, but now the Walgreens nurses see him at home after school. Wow. Infusions in the comfort of our own home? Yes. Walgreens expert infusion nurses and pharmacists are available 24-7 to provide safe, one-on-one clinical support around your schedule. Talk to your doctor and call Walgreens Infusion Services at 877-974-4844 or go to womentowatch.net for complete details. We will, if we ever get out of this traffic, hearty har har. We can't wait to have these infusions at home with Walgreens. Thanks. Be well. Are you looking for assistance with your IT demands? Would you like to know that the people you hire have your best interest at heart? InSource is one of the region's most distinguished and fastest-growing technology firms in the Philadelphia area. Their only concern is to deliver your business long-term success to avoid reacting to daily crisis. Recognized as a top employer of IT consultants, they thrive on helping their clients exceed expectations. InSource delivers reliable and effective solutions to the technology needs of both small and large businesses as well as nonprofits and does so with the goals of your business in mind. With over a decade of recognized success, InSource provides its clients with both IT staffing needs as well as putting highly qualified project teams together. InSource is also a partner of ServiceNow, the fastest growing software company in the country. Contact InSource today at 610-592-0800 or visit their website at insourcenow.com to find the quality help you need. It's really tough for an everyday investor to find honest, personalized investment advice. Some brokers only push the latest hot stocks, and some financial advisors won't even return your phone call unless your account is worth half a million dollars. That's where the mutual fund store comes in. It's where you talk with your local advisor, someone you can meet with face to face not somebody wearing a headset a thousand miles away. And your mutual fund store advisor will work with you to design an investment plan to help you get where you want to be. From day one, our advisors track your funds to make sure they're still right for you. Not everyone in the investment business can say that. The client comes first at the mutual fund store with custom investment plans to fit your goals, not ours. To learn more, visit MutualFundStore.com or call the Mutual Fund Store now in East Norriton and Cherry Hill, 877-239-8330. That's 877-239-8330. Have you ever wondered about the magic of Paris? Traveled there before? You haven't experienced Paris until you've traveled with us. I'm Chloe Johnson, the owner of CJ Tours. I became hooked on the mystique of all things Parisian after just one visit to the City of Light. CJ Tours, a travel, fashion, and product company, provides an experience unlike any other when it comes to exploring the hidden gems of Paris. We connect you with boutiques off the beaten path. We provide the opportunity to go behind the scenes with some of the most celebrated designers Paris has to offer. 
You can even purchase one-of-a-kind French pieces as mementos of your trip or ask us to source that special piece just for you. CJ Tours and our unique products are designed to provide that Parisian je ne sais quoi and allow you to experience Paris like never before. To learn more, contact me at Chloe Johnston at cjshoppingtours.com or simply visit chloejohnston.com for more information. When you are shopping, do you chuckle at the one-size-fits-all tags? Well, wealth management should not take a one-size-fits-all approach either. Companies offer different products and services for women, and they should. All women are different. Your plan should be as unique and personal as you are. So why are you still following your one-size-fits-all financial advisor? Financial advisor Liz Barker of RBC Wealth Management understands this. Her area of expertise is women in transition and being retirement ready. Call Liz Barker, financial advisor at RBC Wealth Management at 484-530-2806. Again, that number is 484-530-2806 or visit her online at www.lizbarker.com to schedule your complimentary custom wealth management plan today. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Welcome back, everyone, to Women to Watch. I'm in the studio today with Deborah Asian, who is the Chief Revenue Officer at Marketron Broadcast Solutions. And um, we're, we're talking all about all kinds of things, you know, the, the radio industry and broadcasting and also the, the role that women play um, in their work. And something we wanted to talk about briefly was um, the ability that women really have, and men as well, uh, to look at their their lives and their careers kind of in this in the second phase, Act Two, uh, which for me is you know I'm kind of an example of that, having started this show at the age of 48, and that we do have those opportunities, and you have to pay attention to it and and kind of um, make sure that you take opportunities that you have. And Deborah had some thoughts on that for for women in particular about why it's important and and how we can go about it. Well, we're, we're probably the emerging generation to realize that we actually have a second life, maybe even a third. Some people uh, look at it that way. And I, I don't know that this is specifically just for women. I think for men, too. But you, know, you may have a vision for yourself when you were in your 20s and you built a career. And by the time you get into your 40s, you may have, have, have really accomplished quite a bit in that career. And it's OK to say, all right, that was great. What's my encore? Because you may have 30 or 40 really healthy years ahead of you to do almost a second life. And so now we have the ability to think about that. I mean, our parents may not have looked at life that way, but we do. I I don't know that the word retirement means anything to us anymore. I think it's more about what do you want to do now? And it may be extremely different from what you did in the first part of your life. And isn't Mm -hmm. that neat that you kind of get to to do something else that you really wanted to do or were afraid to do or maybe didn't have the circumstances to do. And that's where I go back to this whole self-assessment. I think this is really important when you hire. You want to make sure that this person's where they should be at their point in life. You know, whenever all of us have had the experience where we've tried to, like, force something to happen in our life and it just kind of went sideways because Mm -hmm. we were doing just that, forcing something that wasn't natural. So if you pay attention to where you are, you know, not everything has to happen now. Like you can do certain things and then you're going to have the opportunity to maybe do some other things. And how fun is that? Yeah. I mean, I remember, I don't know when that dawned on me, but I was like, whoa, there's, there's a lot more here 
yeah. that uh, you know can be can can be experienced. So I'm I'm so excited. I think the second life's going to be better because you're not broke usually. Okay, you know you're not. You, you've learned a few things. You mm-hmm. kind of get how the world works, right? right. And um, so so how much fun is it now to take all that? And then launch into a whole nother life. Yeah, it's very exciting. And I think it, what's interesting is I, I, when you're younger, you really are focused on um, a salary, making a living. You know, maybe you're going to have sure. a family. Later in life, you start to think about how can I make a difference in the world? Mm-hmm. And that just comes from age, wisdom, and knowing life is short, right? When you hit 40, all of a sudden you think, oh, my God, how did I get here? And as you said, what am I going to do now that I think has more of an influence um, and that's what's so exciting. Right. And I, and I, I will tell you, uh, I think you asked me a while ago, like, what do I struggle with? I think I think most people struggle with this. And that is you want to always try to get back to the core of who you are. And it takes a lot. You have to work at self-introspection. You have to work at listening to whatever is guiding you in your life, you mm-hmm. know, and and I think you have to take time to do that. That's a very, very important thing to try to to do. And I find that time on planes. I find it in some of the most curious places just because I take pockets of time whenever I can to just do my reflection or introspection. But um, I think something that's a phenomenon that's uh, related to what we've been talking about, look at all these executive CEOs who are having children well into their late 40s. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. uh, this is this is this is a whole new trend. You're going to see a lot of older parents. Um, and I embrace all that. I think I think it's terrific. I'm in the middle of adopting a child. I'm working on that process right now, wow. and I don't think that's crazy at all to be thinking that's a about big that. Deal. It we is have to a, talk about absolutely. That. And and yeah. I think and I say that publicly because I I think it's important to encourage people that you know if, if you have the energy and the talent and the ability to to give back, do it. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Give your life more meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is an interesting topic because the you know the whole process of adoption I know is uh, can be emotionally exhausting mm-hmm. and a very difficult process and mm-hmm. and what steps are you taking how close are you do you think well I, I think there's actually a number of paths and and opportunities uh, available to people today that weren't uh, available in the past and you know I just encourage uh, people to rethink all these things, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, whatever happened traditionally in the past was fine for that particular time. But now we live a different life. And, and this is what I think is so exciting, uh, uh, especially for women, because they have lots of options. And, you know, this there's only one way to do things is not true anymore. Right. 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 It's very exciting. That's going to change your priorities big time. It can. Or happens. you can work, like I said, collaboratively with your with your with your teams uh, to accommodate that. We're very family uh uh, first kind of company at Marketron. We believe in our employees and their families and we support them. And um, I'll tell you about a really neat idea our CEO brought to us, uh, Community Service Days, where he wanted to make sure that the employees had the opportunity to give back to the community. Mm-hmm. And uh, they would actually get a commensurate day of extra vacation for a community service day that they performed. And I can't tell you, I would say that there's huge participation in our in our company of people wanting to go out there, maybe help with a school or help install a lot of our uh, technical guys will go in and help install computers and things in the high schools in their areas and uh, give uh, set up data labs and things like that like right. what a wonderful thing and he's fostering that so right. that's we were um, we were selected uh, one of Idaho's best companies to work for because we're actually headquartered in Haley Idaho and uh, we're very proud of that because uh, we work hard at culture yeah how, how big is the company how many employees we have are about there? 130 employees at Marketron okay. and they're spread all over um, uh, both the United States and Canada and we're as far as competition, 
and you know who's out there that's doing no, the sure, same we thing. have competition um our competition comes from both uh, other companies as well as uh people innovating in-house right people develop their own technology and things right. like that and i i i kind of go with the jay leno philosophy there's a big pie out there there's enough slices for everybody so you know if if, if things are working well your competition is actually fostering better innovation across the whole industry, right? So I, I look at our competition as healthy and, and uh, helpful to us yeah. because they, they make us better. Yeah. Tell me what you would say to um, a, a listener, uh, women who are listening that maybe are right on the verge of that second act, um, but they don't have the belief. Because that, in, in the end, is really always what holds people back. We mm-hmm. talked about the qualities that women have, and we do, you know, being collaborative and empathetic and good communicators and all of that. Mm-hmm. The thing that is the roadblock always is the self-doubt. Yeah, yeah. Well, you try to put yourself in a position where you can exercise some options. I think that's, what is a career? A career is not something you can actually determine. You may have all these ambitions and drive and all of that, but we all know it never turns out the way you might have imagined. And if you get off of this this one idea of how it's supposed to be and embrace it. It could be many different things and you're going to be a lot happier. I always say, get out, get, get your ego out of the way and you'll be a happy person. Right. So my, my thought is give yourself, know that if you have options out there, go ahead and exercise them and that you have a lot of opportunities that even our mothers didn't have and uh, go ahead and embrace it. Have fun. Yeah. Enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, it it really is. Uh, it's nice. I hear a lot of talk about, you know, work doesn't have to be so mm-hmm. such a downer. Mm-hmm. It really can be exciting mm-hmm. and fun. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? We're at the end of the show already. It always goes by so quickly. I'm so thrilled that you came in uh, to join me today live in the studio. Um, I'm glad we didn't have to do this one by phone. And I thank you so much for spending time with us. My pleasure. Thank you. That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. Again, my name is Sue Rocco, and if you'd like to get in touch with me, feel free to visit my website at womentowatch.net, and that's women, the number two, watch.net. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week.